Welcome to the What's the Revolution show, a conversation for men and the people who love them, where we will attempt to discuss how men can understand and embrace a healthier masculinity. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. I remember the first time I borrowed money from my father as a young boy. I didn't know at the time this would be one of the greatest lessons of my life. <laughs> you see, when I asked my mother for money, she would reach in her purse, pull out a rolled-up dollar, smile, and tell me to enjoy what I was ever, whatever I was going to do with it. As a child, she was the bank in which I made no deposit. However, one day the bank was closed. Mom was not home. And I wanted a Three Musketeer bar from the 7-Eleven across the street. I ran to my father and subsequently asked, Dad, can you give me a dollar so I can buy a candy bar? My father claimed to everyone that he was six foot. <laughs> Clearly, as I've seen him in his old age, he was not. But that day he looked every bit of it. This is a loan. Once you secure another dollar, I will expect you to pay me back. <laughs> I was bewildered. Mom never asked for the dollar back. My father taught me a bevy of lessons growing up, but this one was pivotal. Pay your debts. To this day, I make sure to pay what I owe and then some. My father and mother were my first mentors, paving the way for others who have helped to shape my journey as a man. Some were dynamic. Others took me down a nefarious path, but there was still a lesson to be learned from the experience. Shout out to Mr. Bray, my middle school guidance counselor, Mr. Byron Bullock, my rock at JMU, Dr. Joanne Lucas, who ingrained Langston Hughes poems in my psyche as a senior in high school at Green Run High School, and Dr. Rudy Jackson and Dr. Michael Cunningham, for helping me to attain the last three letters after my name. Today on the show, I am privileged to have three of New Orleans' most prolific mentors. Lloyd Dennis, Executive Director of the Silverback Society, Silverback Society, who will be calling in in a few minutes. Sonny Lee, Gamut's New Orleanian of the Year and Executive Director of Son of a Saint and the president of the local chapter of one of the nation's most significant African-American male organizations, 100 Black Men, Jonathan Wilson. Just a shout-out for 100 Black Men. Their national conference will be in New Orleans June 7th to 11th. So make sure that you find a way to attend. Gentlemen, how are you all doing today? Doing well. How about doing you? wonderful. Thank you for having us. Yes. <laughs> I pre appreciate you. Appreciate you. I uh, want to give a shout-out to my homie, Rachel Graham, for uh, just being the best producer ever. Thank you, Rachel. Lord, are you on the line with us today, brother? Is Lord on the line with us yet? I can't hear him, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving. We'll keep it moving. Bro brothers, um, the first question that we ask every one of our guests is, is what's your revolution? Jonathan, what's your revolution, brother? What is my revolution? Not help me narrow that because that can go in so many different ways. So how, how how I have conceptualized this because it is the it is the brand it is what makes Charles Corpru um, wake up every morning and do what he does um, is that how is your personal revolution impacting the greater 
society. So what are you doing in your personal life that then impacts someone else? Trying to be a good, wholesome, productive individual that leads by example and impacts others in a way that was meaningful and helped shape me into the man that I am today. Okay. When I think about life and I think about uh, how I take each step of every day, how I make each decision, how I inter- interact with uh, friends, peers, coworkers, family members, and loved ones, I wonder if that interaction is going to be what helps build, what helps build all of us. Because none of us are none of us are where we are today on our own. We stand on the shoulders of giants. And being very respectful of the legacy that's been left to me by my parents and mentors, elders in the community, those that have come before me, and realizing that I am not the destination but a part of the road for those that come behind me, I make sure that each brick I lay is even so that those coming after me can follow. Man. Did you hear that? Listeners, each brick that I lay. Somebody better tweet that at <laughs> WY Revolution. That was a good one. Uh, no, right? Uh, you know, you got to come after that now. Well, so, I, you I know. Don't know. I'll each, keep it short. We got to. Uh, each show. brick that I lay. Sonny, man, thank you for coming, brother. What's yeah, your revolution? No well, I think my revolution, I actually discovered it when I started Son of a Saint. Um, and it was that I was raised well by my mother. She provided some great mentors for me. And that I had the opportunity to uh, support that by mentoring some boys in New Orleans. And um, for me, that's living every day um, with my mom kind of next to me and what she would would say if I would um, not have my shirt in my pants or if I wouldn't uh, speak clearly or um, face my fears. So for me, it's it's my revelation is knowing that my mother raised me very well and that I need to be an example for um, other boys. And, and by doing that, um, I'm helping New Orleans. So. Yeah, that's what it's that's about, it. brother. Y'all, yeah. both, y'all are both laying bricks, man, for these young men. Lloyd, can you hear me, brother? We're trying to we're trying to get my brother Lloyd Dennis on on the line. Let me let me let me check line two. Lloyd, Lloyd, are you on the line with us, brother? We're gonna keep it moving, Lloyd. I know you hear us. We, we we're missing you. We we need you, Lloyd. He's he's not there. He's not there. We're gonna we're gonna make it happen. We we're gonna make it happen today. Brothers, as we keep it moving, you know, this show is about healthy masculinity. Yes. And so I ask, again, I ask all my guests, you know, and we think, you know, we are all in our 30s and 40s, brothers. How would you define healthy masculinity? In your opinion, what are the characteristics of healthy masculinity? Sonny, we'll start with you, brother. Well, you know, just defining masculinity um, for me as the, the, the traits of a man. Um, and so... Um, you know, those things of being responsible, being strong, um, you know, being a man of your word. Um, and healthy, obviously, is um, not having poison in you or not um, or being able to um, to work in a, in a healthy way. Uh, I think that, um, you know, what we do um, as far as even with the boys in, in our program is that, every day um, and I think that we really have uh, a chance to redefine what 
masculinity is for our boys. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the key. Like, like you yeah. said, poison, poison, uh, and it, poise and not having poison right you know and sure. that is the interesting piece when you talk about all those things that we may put in our body both mentally and physically Correct. that poison our minds and we'll be back to that one second jonathan what, what do you think brother healthy masculinity how would you define it i agree with everything Sonny said and to to piggyback on it responsibility is paramount absolutely pivotal taking responsibility for one's actions and, and, and having the um, the self-esteem to be able to rise above uh, the pettiness around you. I, I think often when we're working with um, uh, young boys and young men, we're not only dealing with what, um, what needs to be enhanced and worked on uh, in their present environments, but also the pressures and the stereotypes that they are given um, from a variety of different places and, and showing them what's healthy in terms of behavior, showing them what's healthy and, and what's okay because being secure in yourself, loving yourself, making the right decisions, keeping things out of your body are all responsible and, and, help, and help to define what a good man is in this society. And that's what, and that's what we need. We need to continue to have these, these role models. I'm going to try this w- one more time to see if my brother Lloyd is with us. Lloyd, Lloyd, are you with us, brother? We still going to make this happen. There's a, there, there's, a, there's a revolution coming. He's talking away somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> he's, talking, he's, talking he's talking to somebody. Talking. You know, we apologize for the technical difficulties that we're having today. You know, Lloyd yeah. Dennis is the executive director of the Silverback Society, uh, one of the most prolific uh, organizations that we have that really goes into New Orleans middle schools and uh, brings a cadre of mentors to work with the boys and the schools in developing healthy masculinity leadership. So we are looking forward to hearing his side, his story. So as I say that, why why do you do what you do? You know, what what part of your story, what what part of your story, you know, brought you to this point to be the ED of mentoring organizations? Well, I'll, I'll start. Um, I think for me, it's like I said earlier, um, I realized that I was a productive young male um, and I was trying to figure out what about my journey and what formula was used on me that worked, um, you know. And so I, I remember I was looking at my phone. I think it was a murder in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that kind of really drove me obviously we see those all the time but i don't know it's that specific one that that really got me connected um and i got a little angry and i just said look i want to um support young males and by through working with them i realized some of the struggles that they do have um and that they don't have a good standard right now for um for manhood um and with you know, the exposure to certain music, um, visual as well, uh, fathers not being at home. Um, it for a young male, it's, it's traumatic. Right. And, uh, for me, it was just trying to, um, do something myself, just take one step forward. And we started, uh, others started to join the movement and, so now here we are six six years later. Um, the thing is, is I do understand that it's going to take a lot more. Um, it's hard for me 
it's hard for some of our mentors sometimes because the need is so great. And so conversations like this uh, support other males that may want to find out how to get involved. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's we define how or redefine how this is going to look, meaning the men at this table right here right. and who are listening. Um, we can't wait for somebody else to do that. And so, you know, what looks like, you know, sexism and uh, misogyny and everything else um, that has been, you know, not being emotional and what has been kind of this um, man will uh, be a man, boy will be a boy type uh, mentality or model has to go out the door. Uh, and so we really need to start looking at um, some different options, you know, emotional intelligence. Um, is very key in being Drop able to. a little bit. People don't, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a deep thing, you know, um, them understanding themselves and others and how it all works. Um, that's you know? that, that's so. pivotal, and mm -hmm. I'm glad that you brought up emotional intelligence, is that our boys, we as people particularly think mm -hmm. about these times that we're in, you know, and how unemo <laughs> emotionally unintelligent some of the people that we interact right. with yeah. are. And the research and the the lived experiences of of men and particularly black men is that if we are not emotionally intelligent we don't get those second opportunities to fail mm. you know and so that's one of the 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 cruxes of having your organizations is being able to strengthen their emotional intelligence and give them opportunities to fail in these secure and supportive settings right. so when it it may happen outside. They know how to handle themselves and comport themselves in a manner that may not end up in a detrimental or consequential uh, experience for them. Yeah. Jonathan, so how did you get to this point? You know, and, and, and tell the world a little bit first about 100 Black Men. So 100 Black Men was originally founded in New York on a simple premise. If 100 Black Men in a given community would get together, there's no positive cause that they couldn't achieve. It proliferated, and now today we have over 100 chapters uh, throughout the United States, the Caribbean, and Europe. It's, it's interesting because I have the pleasure of working with uh, men locally, and we're, we're an all-volunteer organization. Um, from the presidency on down, everyone pays dues to support uh, local causes, and we volunteer our time, our talent, and our service uh, to the community uh, with four pillars education, health and wellness, mentoring, and economic empowerment. The reason we all got into the work, the reason we all joined the organization is really simple. We wanted to make a, an impact in our community. And, and more specifically, we wanted to work with the children of our community. Echoing everything Sonny just said, the men of, of 100 Black Men really focus on providing opportunities and experiences to the kids that we work with and other kids in the Metro New Orleans area to, to make sure that they have, that they're more attuned to themselves, that they're more attuned to their, um, their emotions, to, to debunk the uh, typical myths that are associated with uh, manhood, and, and to help educate them on, and expose them to different things that they, they wouldn't normally be exposed to, so that when they're entering different environments, and, and it doesn't stop with uh, just etiquette training, but um, how, to, how to read situations, how to interact with the opposite sex, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and being goal-oriented in order to grow. Right. But why, and, and I appreciate the, the answer, I appreciate, you know, educating uh, my listeners about 100 Black Men. Um, Hello. 
what about it for you steers you to this work? Is there a story? Is there what what about it brings you to this to this? If someone didn't do it for me, I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. And I can give a number of stories that were pivotal in my life to help change my uh, my trajectory. Um, what I can think of is people who knew me as a child, uh, and then they know me as an adult. They go, "Man, you you are different." <laughs> I, I, I knew you as a child. <laughs> you know, one one went as far to say, "You were bad." Oh, yeah. oh I get that all the time. I got mischievous. Right, oh, right. I, I can't. I can't. Even imagine both of y'all being bad. Oh man! Was, what? Put, put me in front of my mom. Right today, right. There were many Sundays I was in the choir stage. Right. Exactly. Oh, oh man! Yeah, yeah my mom made sure I was in church every Sunday. Let me tell you, bro. <laughs> um, Lloyd, are you here with us, brother? Can you hear me? Oh yes, we got we we got the the head silverback himself. <laughs> Lloyd Dennis is on the line, man. What's going on with you, brother? How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, to, to to be the chief cooking battle washer for the Silverback Society. It's 140 men, man, who do amazing work, and I'm just blessed to be the guy that gets to support what they do and kind of coordinate what they do. But uh, I'm happy to be on the air with you, Charles. Man, I appreciate. It. Look, tell tell you know every. I think everybody knows, but you know the, those one or two people you know around the country that don't know about the Silverback Society, man. Why did you start doing this? We got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, our pastor Arthur Wadsworth and uh, took invited me to coffee one day. We were both kind of like I guess what they call community activists. We went to the meetings and tried to get speak truth to power and all that stuff. And we were just sick and tired of uh, of just you know, what was going on with kids? And he said, you know what? What can you and I, we we free men, what can you and I do that's going to make a difference for some kids? And so uh, at the same time, there was this this really great uh, forward-thinking educational leader, Beverly Johnson, who was principal at an elementary school uh, on on the corner of a housing development. And and things were so bad at her school that she had a, a full-time police officer on campus because the little boys were just that confused. And I use that word, that confused. And so she invited Pastor and I in. We went in. Uh, had a, had you know we had a program. You can't if you're gonna work with kids, you gotta have a plan. So we developed a curriculum. Went in, worked with the kids, bro. And us showing up and and hanging out with those kids, teaching them what we know, but most mostly having this consistent uh, presence in their, in, in their lives for about 20 weeks. At the end of it, the little boys were like, they had different trajectory. They had different ideas about what they wanted to do with their lives, and, and they had hope. So, and but since that time, we've gone from that one school to we are now in 17 schools. This year, working with 575 boys. And... Um, and we start to venture into the high school so that we can follow our boys into and through high school. So this year we're now in three high schools. Uh, so it's exciting, man. It's a, it's a great group of guys that come from all different walks of life, and uh, they just show up with these kids. That's what that that's what it's about, Lloyd. Uh, hold on a second, brother. You are listening to uh, WBOK1230AM.com. Not .com, just 
12.30 a.m. <laughs> this is the What's Your Revolution show. I'm the host, Dr. Charles Corpru. I'm here with Jonathan Wilson, Sonny Lee, and the head silverback himself, Lloyd Dennis. And we are talking about mentorship today. Um, Lloyd, you know, I have to say, I, I know your program, you know, and, and, and I know about Sonny, and I know Sonny's program, Son of a Saint, and the 100 Black Men, but I can speak a little bit intimately about your program if you let me for one second. Oh, please do. You, you put in the time, man. Hey, brother, you know, um, so I was fortunate that Lloyd invited me in to do the evaluation for the Silverback Society a couple of years ago. And, you know, not, not being a mentor, being an outsider at that time, you know, one of the things that you just said is important is that giving the boys hope. And I remember, yeah. you know, doing the qualitative analysis of the focus groups I did with them is that one boy said that my father is incarcerated, but the men come in and show me that there's another side. And I'm sure that Sonny and, and Jonathan, y'all see the same thing. Show me another side. They show me that I can do something else with my life. They take us to church. They give me another perspective. And that's critical. That, that's critical because as Sonny just said a, a few moments ago, the media portrays us as, as, as one way. We don't get to see these strong images of black men. Uh, our, most, the, our, our strongest picture of, of, of black masculinity is sun surfing somewhere, <laughs> you know, has been sun surfing and, and, and taking his retreat as he should for, you know, because over the last eight years he had to lead not only us but to lead a country. Um, and so w where are we seeing these models? Well, we get to see it here in New Orleans with you all. But it, 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 it is pivotal that our young men and other men get to see men like you all every day. And as Lord, you say this, you say this every time that we're together. Boys need to see men get up and get dressed and go to work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, need to, they need to see that. Too many of these kids. And listen, we're not hating on, 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 on men in community who didn't know that they needed to get prepared to, 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 to go into the uh, workforce and that that preparation was really making sure that they did well in school. Uh, uh, it, it became cultural that, that school just was a social activity, high school in particular for, for, for a young man. And they really just didn't understand the connection, and they really didn't understand that there was another way to live. Right. Right. Because they, every, all the men in the environment went through the same cycle, and and basically, men don't have to work. Uh, it, it became cultural, man. Men don't have to work. They, yeah. they, you know. And so the kids, they, you know, they just didn't know. One one of the things I like to point out is is, is that in the sixties, a, a, a big change happened because in the prior to the sixties, black men who worked still lived in quote the hood. Because we were segregated into sections of town, so so even children who were growing up in, in relative poverty still had models in their neighborhoods. But once the sixties came and 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 open fair housing happened, the the men in the, the the men who lived in the communities, the families that had men that were renting up and going to work every day, in addition to mothers, were the ones that could afford to move out. And what got left behind was a a, a desert, a situation where they just are not good examples, and we can't blame children for not understanding what they've not been exposed to. You know, from a developmental perspective, Lloyd, you know, as children grow up, you know, particularly during that adolescent period, they're looking for models. Sonny, Sonny, I see you chomping at the bit, brother. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just saying this, this whole conversation. I'm just happy to have Lloyd on here, um, <laughs> you know, so I can... <laughs> 
but the look, and even Lloyd, look, Lloyd, Lloyd's older than I am. You know, he mentored it to gentlemen my age. You know, uh, and so I He's look up to him my, exactly. And so you. you know, we got a lot, a lot of wisdom on that phone. But you know, for me, it's it's uh, just from the program uh, perspective. We are, and, and Lloyd, I know you are too, and uh, molding. Uh, our mentors into these leadership roles, you know, not only, um, yeah. uh, you know, and it's it's good for us. They act as our case managers. They act as our, our mentors. So it's, you know, building this program is so special because we're getting to see that it's not just our vision, but others are are adopting that, and that's how we, that's how you grow it. Um, you know, so that's a, that's just a beautiful thing. But also what you said about being able to see a male, I, I never saw my mom pay a bill. Uh, partially my mother was, was ill, but she would, and she was home, you know, but I never saw a pair of bills. So when I got to college, I got into the, the same rut a lot of people do with, with finances, you know. Um, and in my 20s, I had to learn how to become a man, you know. Um, and I'm 35 now, so, uh, <laughs> and I'm still learning. But, you know, I had to make that decision, and I just don't want um, our young men to have that big gap. Um, of, of a time where they're struggling and trying to get back, play, play catch up when their peers that may not look like them are way ahead. Way. Uh, ahead. Way ahead. Way ahead. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, You've seen that in New Orleans every yeah. day, way ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Look, well, and, and the truth be told is, is that once a young person gets to be about 25 years of age, their options for further development shut down. Right, right, right. You know, right. you can't even go to job corps once you make 25 years old. Mm-hmm. So, so it's critical that, that the kids, you know, kind of get it right when they're young enough to take advantage of what educate whatever educational opportunities exist. Right, right. Jonathan, Jonathan. But I think I think what's important about the conversation that we're having now too, and we were just talking about this before going on air is the availability of programming for more kids. I mean, right. it's obvious uh, in our community, the, the communication, the, 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 the legacy and passing information, the learning curve is far steeper than in many other communities. And we get calls every day to, uh, for mentoring opportunities for both boys and girls, young men and women. And it's, it's being able to serve the need and provide as much information as possible to so many people so that more can have an opportunity. That's the real challenge. And I, I like what Sonny said, and, and I see it in all of the programs that are successful, that the mentors that participate, they become those caseworkers. They, they invest in those children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in many cases, uh, our programs look for capacity with other professional agencies to provide the needs of those kids to make that step a little smaller. All right. Man, y'all are dropping knowledge today. You're listening to WBOK 1230 AM. This is the What's a Revolution show. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal, sitting here with some juggernauts today, man, who are dropping knowledge about mentorship. Sonny Lee, Lloyd Dennis, and Jonathan Wilson. Brothers, you know, we, you know let's go back for a minute. You know, think about, you, you know, the funny thing about all of us, we're bad kids. <laughs> Lloyd being the worst. <laughs> all, all of us were bad kids, but there was there was someone, you know, and... and Interestingly enough, I was able to read a, a little bit about all of your work, but who was that first mentor for you on? Uh, mm, I guess on, on a certain level, it, it, was, it was my father on, on, in one area uh, who taught me the value of, of study uh, 
because uh, he was a he was a lifelong learner. Uh, and then you know I had I just had some other people flow through my life at different times uh, who kind of filled in some gaps. I had uh, a grandfather who was like who was like the best human being I ever met on the planet, and 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 he just taught us he taught me how to love a good woman. Uh, and, and how to be what your children need you to be. Uh, and everybody knows, if you know Lloyd Dennis, you, you know what, a, look, he'll tell you who his good woman is, his boo. That's <laughs> right, my boo. That's his boo, Mrs. Dennis. Go ahead, brother, finish it up. Well, you, you, and so, you know, I think at different stages you have different examples come into your life. And for the, you know, for for. I've had business examples of Alden McDonald, Jonathan's boss, is is is, is a person that, that that helped me understand just how far a man could go on his own initiative and his own plan for learning. Uh, you know, Alden has achieved magnificent things in his life doing 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 such things. So, um, you know, I, I, that's mentorship is somebody that you see the possibility that you could be like them. It's that simple uh, that you that you can be like them in 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 some way. Jonathan, so I, like Lloyd, I, I think my um, my parents and my father were my earliest mentors. But throughout life, people have helped me transition to the uh, various stages. So starting with uh, elementary school, an old time elementary school teacher helped me kind of grow into a middle school. A college president when I was in college helped me elevate my uh, my line of thinking in terms of strategy. A high school coach helped me really develop into uh, manhood, and he knows who he is because he's still teaching, he's still, still coaching. coaching. Um, it, all of those varying levels. And like Lloyd, Alden McDonald has been a tremendous mentor, both personally and professionally, following his example and, and learning just what just what the possibilities are in business and, and in hearing his story and knowing his story and in, and in being very, very close and related to that story, um, you do realize and you do know success is possible for anyone. Right, brother. We're going to open the lines up to our listeners. Uh, if you want to call in and talk about who was your first mentor and how they had an impact on your life, man, call us and let us know, 504 260 Nine two six five five zero four two six zero nine two six five. Who was your first mentor, and how did they have an impact on your life? Fun, Sonny, yes. I was going to call you funny. Yeah. <laughs> funny, okay. Funny. <laughs> I will call you for the rest. Funny, Sonny. Yes. Uh, for me, it was um, it was a f two people in one institution. One was my uncle Walmuth Gilliam, um, who uh, he's just a great a great man, and he. I was a he's a protector, provider, uh, and a man of faith, and so that's what I learned from him. I would say Saint Augustine, um, collectively yes. as an institution. Yes. Um, yes. And, and look, Absolutely. it is, it was very crucial for me. I actually uh, came from, I did a Holy Cross the year before, and uh, it wasn't a good experience. I actually got expelled for fighting because they kept calling me bad words. So oh, I didn't know how to manage that, you know. But when I got to St. Aug, I felt comfortable. But at St. Aug is where I got discipline. Yeah. Um, and that's the number one thing. Uh, and then I would actually say my friends uh, collectively were sort of uh, mentors for me because they had fathers. So they learned um, a lot of things from their fathers, fishing and, you know, certain certain things. Um, and so 
I kind of learned from my friends as well, uh, just through you know conversations and asking them things. So I would say those three. No, no doubt. I got to give a yeah. shout out, like you, like you said, to my boys, uh, Kyrie yeah. and Quince, who yeah. you know we've been we've been going on thirty and forty years. <laughs> um, but that interesting piece you said, my father, you know, uh, that's my dude. But their fathers. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. shout out to my boy Kyrie. He, he just lost his father two weeks ago, man. His father Jim Boy was a good man, um, real good man. But it's it, as we think about our community at growing up, those other men. Yeah. that have an impact on us and it's critical that you that you said that that their fathers yeah. took the time right. you know um, my, my boys Quince's father was an engineer worked for Verizon um, Kyrie's dad was a post a postman but they took the time to ensure that they could raise all of us because we were always together right you know right. Quince's dad took us out to the baseball field Kyrie's dad would take us out to eat my dad would at crazy at the house, <laughs> you know? yeah, but it was still that 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 understanding that these three men had an impact on three boys, you know, continuously. We were always together at somebody's house, and they knew that they had an impact. Yes, you know, and we're all doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, we we're all doing pretty well. Um, so, what are the characteristics? You know, and you probably already said it, but I always like to give people a little cheat sheet on the show. What are those good characteristics of a mentor? Consistency. It's interesting oh. you ask that because people ask us all the time, you know, what, what, what is, uh, so they say, what's, can, can you describe your, uh, you know, your, 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 your model for a mentor? And I say, well, actually, any, any guy that feels good about what he's done with his life, you know, uh, it, it can be a mentor because I think a, a strong part of being a mentor is that you have to kind of uh, express or you, or, or you have to kind of ooze with a sense of, I like me and I like who I am and I like what I do. Because otherwise, nobody's going to want to be like you. Uh, and, and, and basically, the, the role of a mentor is to have a kid look at you. Every, every person I know that's achieved anything significant in life can remember a time and a person when they looked up and they said, I want to be like that. You know, and it usually was from a place of admiring somebody who, you know, had some confidence, who, who was living well, you know, and who was enjoying their life. So I think those things, those are the things that's important as a mentor. And there's all sorts of ways that a man can do well in life. You can be a plumber, you can be an artist, you can be all sorts of ways. But having achieved that is what allows you to be a good mentor. So for, for me... And Sonny was about to say it, but I'm going to say it. Consistency <laughs> is number one. Yeah. Uh, because th these kids, when you, w when they allow you to build that relationship with them, they look for you. And okay. every, every time that door opens on whatever day you're supposed to see them or whatever you promised them you were okay. going to do, they're looking for you. And, and if you're not there, that's just another disappointment in, them, right. in their life. Uh, Don't start if you can't finish. Right, right. absolutely. A another one is accountability. I mean, being accountable to yourself. To the, to the commitment that you've made um, and, and showing that accountability to the kids that you work with. Um, being kind, uh, because you're going to meet all kinds of people and you have to rise above uh, whatever test that, that you face. Being respectful and being sure to display that, that, being, that respectfulness to everyone around you, including the, uh, the children and the people interacting with the children. Those are all, I think, keys. I don't know if uh, you all think I've missed any. 
No, just just the willingness to to share skills and knowledge and expertise. Um, I think is another one that being willing to do that. Uh, but yeah, consistent positive messaging. Impatience. Impatience. Oh, Very because because here's the thing: it's not it's oh, not going Lord, to. Oh, patience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, because the thing is, you you know, you might see some positive movements the first year, and then you know, all of a sudden, life hits that young man and that young woman woman um, with something that's bad, and you know, it might be a little rocky for them, and they may make a bad decision. But sticking with them um, and being there, and that's that's the point. That's why you're there to support them. Um, and helping them make the right decision so that they move in the right direction. So, no, just knowing that it, that failure is going to come with that right. relationship, possibly, uh, and and being able to adapt to it. So. That's that's key. That, that's key because I think when we think of mentoring, we think that if we have warm bodies, if we just have men in place, you know, to mentor our kids, and it's going to be successful. What are some of the failures that you've seen or even experienced? You know, leading the mentoring organization, yeah. being a mentor, or seeing your mentors fail in what they're doing. Um, <laughs> who, wants, who wants to jump on? Yeah, because we, I mean, we we need to hear that yeah. because we think we think of mentoring as this glorious thing, and I'm there, yeah. Yeah. and just because I show up, you know. Well, it it, it goes with the trust. Um, I, I don't know if we all right, but um, with trust, because uh, you know, for us. We do a lot of these fun activities and, and to gain that trust um, from the young man. I mean, obviously being there consistent. Uh, but sometimes we have we've had a boy that you know didn't quite understand what we were trying to do, um, and he wasn't you know really enthused about coming out to the activities. You know, maybe trying to slouch in a chair, or be disruptive, um, and so that really uh, can can. Uh, alter the mood of the whole room and everybody else's experience. So um, it's taken him um, outside, separated from the group, to get him uh, up on the right, the right level to where he could rejoin the group. So, you know, it's nice. The worst experience that we had with, with mentors is the guys that come into mentoring, and it's about them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's about them. They, they, they pass judgment on the kids. Uh, you know, and they bring they they bring their ego with them, and they and they allow the children they engage the children uh, in in ego battles, like you right. know wanting a, wanting a child to be obedient and 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 having these expectations that you're going to do what I tell you to do, and 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 getting ego involved with kids. We we tell our men, look, but leave your grown ego <laughs> home. You know, and when you walk in the room, I'm, these are children, man, and they should never. They, uh, they, nothing a child can should be able to say to you that's going to get a grown man upset. You know, that, 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 that's that's for us the worst thing is some guy that lets a kid engage his ego. My, my biggest issue, sorry to jump in, but is, you know, a, a broken man or, or that is trying yes. to mentor yes. a young yeah, man, that and, 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 that, and that, that that never yeah, works. That, that's probably never one of those works. things. That's, that don't work. Y'all hit it on the head. Um, Jonathan, I'll come to you in one second, brother. The research around this is pivotal, you know, is that before we can actually mentor effectively, we have to have dealt with our own stuff. Yeah. Because in, in the psychological world, it's called transference. We will transfer our own stuff onto the people that we work, we work on. I mean, psychologists have to go 
to see another psychologist, right. <laughs> you know, right. to get some work done so they don't transfer onto their clients some of the experiences that they've had. We as men, the exposure of racism and discrimination, um, not being seen, invisible, we don't want to transfer those how we have internalized those things onto our mentees. So we've got to go do the work. Again, going back to everybody's excited that I need to have a black male in my classroom. We've got to ensure that our, the men that we put in the classroom, that we help them to do the work on themselves so they can pass on, like you said, they can pass on these fantastic coping strategies. Because that, as you talked about earlier, Sonny, the emotional intelligence that our young men and that we need to have is critical to our overall success. I think there's a, a, a kind of a historical artifact that, that gets involved too often, and that is lots of these lots of the men that come to us, and we actually have some training that deals with this point. Is, is that when they grew up, they got whippings. You know, uh, while lots of us got whippings coming up, and some of us make the mistake of believing that it's the whippings that gave us, the, that helped us have the character that we are. And what we've come to understand, no, it wasn't the whippings, but it was that the fact that the people that whipped you were also taking care of you and loved you and protected you in the world. You know, so you, it wasn't the whippings, it was the fact, because if you really, if most of us reflect on our behavior when we were kids and those times when we got a whipping, Really, what hurt us most was the fact that this person was upset with us. I, I, um, I don't know what you're talking about. Those whippings hurt. I have no clue. Maybe you have. We make sure the men understand. We can't whip these boys. Right. Right. We don't want to whip these boys. And and what's gonna what's what's gonna let them make the boys allow us to have influence on them is when they know that we care about them. That's true. That's true. It, to, to, just to unpack one more piece because I think it, I think what you're saying is very important in terms of being prepared and going back to consistency see we, we take on um, we don't reject a kid and we made that um, that decision several years ago right. uh, elementary school middle school high school we know what the statistics stay we know that there's focus we have no pride of, own, of authorship or ownership in any program because we just want to see the work done and there are there are many people doing a lot of great work but we made a decision not to reject a kid uh, a number of years ago because there, there, there is one who can be saved. If there's even one who can be saved at any level, we want to make sure that that opportunity is available. But having said that, getting back to the consistency, you have a lot of people who are um, well-intentioned and want to do good. And I know uh, Mr. Dennis and Sonny have seen the same thing in their programs, but when they, when they get involved, they didn't realize the, the emotional commitment, the right. psychological commitment, and, and, right. and they're not taking care of themselves. They're not prepared for uh, what they're faced. Um, we can do the best we can in training because we also have a training program that we put our mentors through. But, but there's, there's an element of preparation, not only in working on yourself and making sure that you're not transferring, but that you are psychologically and emotionally ready to be strong for those kids and not be drawn in um, to the detriment of, of the child and yourself. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and that brings this conversation full circle about, about healthy masculinity is that it's a journey. It's a search. It's a daily traverse to try to find our 
the healthiest version of ourselves and if we don't have these conversations if we don't seek help we cannot give that to our boys let me ask let me ask the converse of that how can mentorship help the men become healthier versions of themselves Oh, oh, man, oh, look, oh, look. Right. He's he sharp. Is so, so, I mean, all right, I'm the elder, right? We're going to let you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah you go first. You, know you go first. Human, Beat that just a little bit. and whales are, are mammals and elephants that live past childbearing age. And there's a reason. It's because we, our purpose is to help children to supplement what parents or, or, the, or the generation that's raising children do. So... When we do this work, and I tell men all the time, I say, when you do this work, you're going to be stuck. You're going to come back year after year after year after year because you need to do this because this is your destiny. This is what you're here for. You, you are, we are all here as grown men, and the purpose of our existence is to ensure that the next generation succeeds. And when you participate in that process, you, you feel right about yourself. I always say that midlife crisis is because men don't understand that. And so they have this sense of themselves. They want to have this sense of largesse about themselves. And they go out and buy a red, a red, a red convertible and get a young woman. And if they understood that the largesse that you're looking for comes when you know that you are making a difference in, 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 in the lives of the next generation. And it feels like you, that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you beat your chest, brother. That, that, that's the silver That's black. it. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Jonathan, brother. There's a, um, there's a saying, and I'm, I'm, I hope I get it right, but it's something that uh, Dr. Calvin Mackey always says. Everything that uh, we do should be kid-centered, adult-led, elder-ruled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our, our work, I mean, if we think about, uh, if we, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about me. If when I think about the life cycle, and I've been thinking a lot about the life cycle lately, um, we we all have uh, cycles. So we, we we grow up as children and experience the things that the children after us will experience in terms of growth. When we become adults, we begin to start our own families, experience our our friends starting their families. As we grow older, we then go through the phase of caring for our parents. So the reverse role of uh, being the, being the caregiver for those that have cared for us, raising our children. And in thinking about that, everything that we do goes towards building for the next generation. If it's done right and well, we're building for something after us. And to echo what was just said by Mr. Dennis, if we're fulfilling our purpose, because we are really, we're really servants here, if we're fulfilling our purpose and we're achieving that mission and constantly building for those coming after us, We'll continue to progress as a community, and, and you'll find, you find, and I know I find myself grounded in working with these kids because these kids and watching them grow, watching them uh, excel, it helps renew me, renew my, my vigor and my resolve to make sure that they're successful. No doubt, no doubt. You're listening to WVOK 1230. This is the What's Your Revolution show. I'm the host, Dr. Charles Corpru. Man, have an exciting, informative, thought-provoking show with Jonathan Wilson, Sonny Lee, and Lloyd Dennis, all executive directors of some of the most prolific mentoring organizations here in New Orleans. I'm going to give you all, in, in our closing moments, um, I'm going to give you all an opportunity to, to really sell your programs because, as you said, 
you need consistency you you need people and so i want people to really hear what you all are doing so let me ask this question um could you tell our listeners about a story about a young man and his journey and how being a part of your program has shaped his world view and his perspective on masculinity so think about one of your participants think about how being in your program has changed and shaped and molded them into being something different than who they were before they came to you well Lord, you want to go first? I'm excited. Lord, you got to let Sonny go. You got to let Sonny go. And I like to apply it to, to, to like, a group, group of kids. So we have some young men at, at Warren Easton right now who are, are alumni of our program, and they're freshmen and sophomores at Warren Easton. And what these kids did, uh, they responded to the tornado now, this is, self, this is a self-led. Our, our chapters in high school are self-led, self-directed. They have offices, right? And they do they have projects, and they do it, and we just help them support them. So these young men, just on their own, took the initiative to, to, to come up with some uh, relief uh, packages and deliver them to the, to the tornado victims. So that's manning up, bro. That's manning up. You know, and they, they just did it. They just did it and said this is what they wanted to do because they had to do something in community. So for me, that pays all my bills psychologically. Knowing, knowing that the work, the, what, what, we, what we put into these little boys is sticking with them as they, they, they matriculate through high school. Absolutely. I, I have a bunch of cases uh, that I could go to right now. Right. Some in its early stages, some where it's happening right now, and uh, you know they they're freshmen in, in high school, and I have uh, one young man that just graduated from our program uh, that's at the university. So I could go all three, but I'll just go to, to the oldest. Um, we have a, a young man who joined our program uh, early teens. His father had passed away, um, and he was at an alternative school. He actually started. We had him as an intern uh, with me, so he just shadowed me. He's been shadowing me for the last, what, five years, well, maybe four years. Um, and so he's he's seen a lot of the interactions that I've had um, with people. Um, you know, I read a lot. He carries books with him all the time. Um, he just uh, finished his first year at Xavier University, and one of our donors took care of the, the cost. Um, and for me, he just found out two days ago um, and you know, it was a very emotional time. That donor had met him for five minutes. Wow. And wow. that donor yeah. um, that donor said that she was so impressed by him uh, because he, she, you know, he looked her in the, in the eyes, he shook her hand, he c communicated well with her. He had books. They, they talked about books. Um, he worked four jobs um, to pay for his, his uh, college tuition, four jobs. Um, us being one of them. <laughs> wow. He's our administrative, uh, you know, he, he runs the errands for us now, but um, four jobs. And, you know, I talked with him today, actually, before I came on, and we were talking about this topic. Um, and he just said, look, he said, the most important thing for me is that I have a group and I have people who care for me. Right. Uh, and he said that, um, and he is a, a mentor for the younger boys in the program and that he has a responsibility to pass it on. And he, he finally, he gets that. He understands that. Um, and that he wants to grow something like 
a son of a saint. You know, so we've inspired him to to kind of. He wants, he wants so, to be you, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and yeah. and as I've said before, we look for models, mm-hmm. and they're gonna be there one way or the other. Yeah. You know, good or bad, there are models out there that we're gonna find. Absolutely. And follow, particularly as young men. Yeah. You know, um, Jonathan. Then we're gonna close out in a few minutes, brother. Tell tell the story of a young man who has benefited from 100 black men. I can, I can think of many, but um, I'll share one. Um, there was a young man, he came to us uh, in high school. He was an a overage high school student um, in a lot of trouble and uh, into a level of entrepreneurship that, um, that isn't positive. And working with him, we weren't afraid to, to sit with him, talk with him. Um, he, he had actually gotten into some trouble while in our program. We went to court for him. Uh, we spoke to the judge, spoke on his behalf. He was able to graduate high school on time, entered into college, uh, left the life that he had started before. Um, he, he's, he was working. He's trying to start his own business. He's still in school, and uh, he's now one of our most, uh, uh, our most committed and articulate uh, mentors, volunteers, in some case, when the jogging gets too deep, our translator. <laughs> uh, uh, he, 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 he had an occasion to, um, uh, he wrote something about the impact uh, five of us had in his life, both privately and publicly. And we were touched because we feel like he's done more to help us grow in the last seven years uh, we've been working with him than we have with him. And, and that, that is a success story that uh, stands out. And that's what people need to hear, you know, all of the success, the success stories that you all have chronicled here. You know, in a perfect world, gentlemen, in about 10 seconds apiece, what do you need to ensure that you and your organizations have what you need to thrive? I'm going I'm to say this. We need, we need African-American men to understand that they're the only solution that they are the only solution to, to change the trajectory of boys that don't have good role models in their lives. You get bro. Well, outside of uh, funding, sustainable funding, I would also say, and I'm going to go out on a limb here because uh, we deal with single, single mothers, and um, the, the moms to not look at their their boys as their best friends and to get out the way of um, holding them down in a way. The three T's, time, talent, and treasure. Gotcha, brother. Look, I appreciate all your time. You've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show. This is Dr. Corporate. We want to thank the W.K. Kellogg Foundation for their strong support of this program. Brothers, get out. 100 Black Men, Silverback Society, Son of a Saint. Spend your time, brother. Thank you for everything today. Thanks for having us. Look out my window, I see the little ones Playing amongst each other with the water